Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to another episode of the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank Rockery. And we always come at you every Monday, every Friday, as in today. And, dude, next week the hockey season starts. Six days. Six till days. Saber season starts. Five days till hockey season officially starts. And yes, I know there's Bills Packers, and we're definitely going to get heavy and hard into that. But we wanted to start off a little bit on the hockey side of things because we got a pretty cool guest coming on the podcast. And with the season starting just less than a week away now, we got ourselves, I'd say, a pretty dang cool guest here from Sportsnet, from YouTube, YouTube, and the Steve Dangle podcast. Steve Dangle joins us now on the Leftovers podcast here. Steve, thanks for taking the time, man. And uh, I, I wouldn't be uh, – I, I would be remiss if I did not say I'm a huge fan of what you've been doing around all these years. Even though I may be a Sabres fan, I got to love the least reaction videos because you bring great content to it. Well, geez, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And, I mean, uh, it's, it's only fair that I talk about a few Leafs wins – over the Sabres after I, I think it was about a decade of the Sabres stomping on the Leafs throat. <laughs> it's it's true and it's, it's fair history. and it it helps when you build a good team. You know I think it really does, but you know the Sabres have uh, have done a lot uh, over the summer. I'd say they were a top five team in terms of uh, performance this summer. So. Uh, I, I think they have a, a decent forward, uh, a decent future to look forward to. Finally, yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> no, I was gonna, I was gonna say too. You were at the uh, the Sabers morning skate too in Oshawa this morning. Uh, what what did you notice out of the team? And you know, anything you know, anything out of the ordinary? Well, actually, what I noticed about them is that they're not here. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, so the the Islanders obviously are from uh, New York, so they got a. I guess they had to fly in or, or whatever. Mm. Uh, so they're here early now. Uh, the Sabres are not uh, just yet. Um, but I, I guess they'll be coming in because, I mean, Oshawa's only like 45 minutes east of uh, Toronto. Yep. But um, yeah. uh, Mike Harrington was here, Buffalo reporter, and uh, we both got to speak to Islanders coach Barry Trott, who uh, I've never had the chance to speak to before, so I didn't know anything about him. And uh, – that guy is is a walking audiobook, basically. Uh, we we asked him about um, about you know his Stanley Cup experience with the Caps, and he gave I think an eight minute answer about all the all the things he did, the party, um, you know everywhere he took the cup uh, and everything. So you know all all I've heard about this Islanders team is that it's doom and gloom. But you got to remember their head coach just won the Stanley Cup, and I can't help but feel like uh, maybe some of that swagger will rub off on him. Yeah, I mean, the league really has taken some weird shifts and shapes throughout these last couple of years. Again, I would always have to admit that I am a little salty and jealous about how quickly the Leafs got things off the ground after the Sabres were the ones that 
went on their tank job, and then the Leafs did it, and then they did it better. So it made me go, that shouldn't be them. It should be us. I hate you, Tim Murray. Why did you do this? Uh, but no, Toronto is Toronto has gone just in a matter of a couple of years from basement dweller to one of the perennial teams in the league now and a Stanley Cup threat. So, Steve, obviously your angle on this with Toronto and how you feel their chances are for making the Stanley Cup this year. I mean, they're right in it. You know, uh, a wise friend who now works for an NHL team once said that the best team in the league rarely wins the Stanley Cup. Uh, So, you know, there's just too much luck involved. There's injuries and whatnot. So all you can really do is put yourself in striking distance, right? You know, the final four in last year's playoffs, I would argue that the third and fourth team made it to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, and And the Capitals... If they played, a, if last year's Capitals played a seven-game series against the Capitals of two years ago, who knows? Maybe the Caps of two years ago win. They certainly look better on paper, um, but they they don't have the cup. And then the reason I say all that is like, the Leafs are in striking range, man. Uh, so it's not unrealistic to think they could win the cup at all. The one thing I think they got to worry about a little bit is defensive depth. But uh, I mean, look at uh, the the Pittsburgh. <laughs> debacle of a couple years ago and and they did just fine didn't they yeah yeah it really it really seems that way I feel like the Leafs are just one top four defenseman away from being a true Stanley Cup favorite I do agree that they are a contender where they can do it but I think I think there are things that got to go right for them in order for that to happen and that could be based on well who they play in the first round because last year they unfortunately had to play Boston in the first round. I still think if they play Tampa, I, they have a way better opportunity to make the second round versus the Bruins. And I feel, yeah, and I, like I said, I feel like they're one top four defenseman away. Do you th- do you think that, or do you think it, do you think there's, they need something else besides that? Yeah, it's no, it's definitely gotten to a point now with their defense. They're, they're in an awkward position right now. Um, it's awkward. It's obvious that Babcock uh, has fallen out of love with Connor Carrick as a player. And after sort of playing second fiddle to Roman Polak last year, it looked like he was finally going to be the third pair right D. And the Leafs are basically playing their NHL lineup tonight, and he's not even on it. Um, there's Justin Hall, who was a good AHL right-handed D, but again it's either he makes it or he doesn't. You're not going to see a ton of improvement out of him because he's already 26 or 27. You got Borgman, who still needs to take steps. Rosen, who's gotten much better on the offensive side of the puck, but the Leafs need some stops, and he's struggled to do that. So they have, I would say, about half a dozen guys that could fill a bottom-pairing role. That's not going to be a problem. If they come into injuries, you know, unless it's Riley or Gardner, I think they'll be able to survive it just because of the amount of relatively NHL fringe, you know, guys they have. The the issue is they need that game breaker, right? Um, they need they need. I would say even someone of like Chris Tanev's quality. They don't need a Drew Doughty like a Eric Carlson superstar. They just need someone to sort of solidify things back there. In in some ways, you know, they added Tavares 
over the offseason. Their offense is so unbelievable, this, that, and the other. But their most important player in some ways might be Nikita Zaitsev because the Leafs have been banking on this guy to be really good for a couple of years now. They gave him that obscene seven-year, $4 million per contract. He hasn't really lived up to it yet, but the Leafs are always doubling down on him, always remaining bullish, always remaining, uh, you know, Babcock. For as, as little as he is in Connor Carrick's corner, he is firmly in Nikita Zaitsev's corner. So if Zaitsev can take a step, he had a really good world championship, and he's done well this preseason. If he can take a step and prove that he belongs in North America and on this league, uh, then maybe the Leafs can take a step forward kind of internally, you know? And you got to look at the rest of this division, too, with the Atlantic. You have Tampa, you have Boston, you have Toronto. I mean, you, the the favorites are there. We all know that. But what we're also seeing now with this division, I mean, maybe the Sabres crawl out of this, but there are potentially three disastrous teams at the bottom there in Detroit, Montreal, and Toronto. I mean, not Toronto. Oh, my God. Sorry. there. Uh, and in <laughs> Ottawa. And Ottawa, oh boy, we'll get to Ottawa in a bit. That's its own question. But this division, it seems like it's almost so set in its ways that, you know, Toronto is going to have to play a Boston probably to open the playoffs. Maybe Tampa, but probably going to end up being Boston if Tampa does what they're supposed to in the regular season, which is be the favorite that they are. Well, here's how the Leafs are progressing, at least in terms of uh, their past couple playoff performances uh, a couple of years ago they could have beaten the capitals five of the six games uh went to overtime you know that's pretty darn close they could have beaten them last year with boston they should have beaten them and i'm not really sure what happened boston just completely ran their show in the first two games in boston Leafs get one back game four bergeron's out of the lineup the Leafs find a way to somehow lose that one. They force game seven. They're up going into the third period again, and they find a way to goof that up again. They, they should have beaten them. So honestly, on paper right now, and at least when it comes to the regular season, I expect the Leafs to finish ahead of Boston. I, I just look at them on paper and think they're better. It, in fact, someone I spoke to brought up a great point. You look at Boston on paper, and you look at Florida on paper, who it's surprising that they didn't make the playoffs last year. They had one of the best stretch runs of anyone, and they had a really good offseason. You could argue Boston's the fourth-best team in this division. So uh, the, the, Leafs, the Leafs, I don't think, are worried about the regular season, nor should they be. Um, they they got to get more battle-ready for, for the playoffs so that they can beat teams that they should be able to beat. Tampa's a tough one. Yeah, Tampa's a tough one. Very eh? tough. One of the biggest keys, I would say, though, for a solid postseason run could be Freddie Anderson. I mean, Anderson has been you know, up and down at times throughout his Leafs career, but steady for the most part. Do you think he's got it in him to take this team on a, on a playoff run to at least a conference, at least to the conference title game? And can he do the same thing that he did in Anaheim, which was try to steady things up? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think teams have have won Stanley Cups with, uh, you know, goalies who weren't quite of the caliber of uh, Freddie Anderson. Um, you know, he maybe left a little to be desired last year, but 
This year he's already projecting to be good. I mean, for whatever reason, October is uh, his kryptonite. He's, he's always bad in October, but he's looked great this preseason. So that's real good. The issue is going to be getting him some rust. Because last year, as good as Curtis McElhinney was as the backup, uh, Anderson played way too many games. I think he was at 60-plus games. And this is a guy who's had shoulder injuries and taken a couple bumps to the head and his neck. He needs someone who can step in and maybe play 25, 30 games. And I think the Leafs were hoping that Garrett Sparks could be that guy. And now it seems to be in question. So I'm very interested to see what the Leafs do. Yeah, it's one of those things where Toronto really does have a lot of the pieces in place. And, yes, I'm still low-key jealous. Uh, (laughs) But the rest of this division, I mean, I'm looking at the Sabres this year, Steve, and not just the division but the Eastern Conference as a whole. I'm looking at this division and I'm looking at this team and I'm hoping that there could be some sort of a massive jump like the Colorado Avalanche of last year. Uh, What do you see from the Sabres in the outside perspective that could – could at least give me some hope that they're at least I, – I know they're going to at least be far more entertaining than last year, but do they have a shot at stretching for one of those wild card spots? Well, I'm going to give you the best concept, uh, best uh, compliment I can as a Leafs fan. Um, as a Leafs fan, I'm unhappy with how good of an offseason the Sabres had. I'm unhappy with how good Jack Eichel looks. I am unhappy with how – good of a pickup Jeff Skinner was. I'm unhappy with uh, the fact that they got Rasmus Dahlin and Tage Thompson looks really good and Carter Hutton's had a good uh, preseason. So, you know, I talked about striking distance. I don't think the Sabres are in striking distance of a cup, really. Mm -hmm. But, you know, things happen throughout the course of a regular season. So, on paper, I definitely would not pencil the Sabres in to a playoff spot but I think they're in striking distance. Imagine Boston or Florida run into a couple key injuries and everything goes right for Buffalo. Everyone clicks. The team gets better as the year goes on because they're so young. Uh, a lot of things could go well for them pretty quick. Yeah, you got you, you talk about teams like Boston and Florida. And then there's the other teams in the Metro. We, we kind of have an idea of what the top three is going to be in the Metro with Washington with Pittsburgh, probably Philadelphia. All Philly can burn with their mascot. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> but you've got team you got teams like New Jersey and Columbus who made the playoffs last year. You gotta think maybe one of those teams that regresses, you know, isn't Taylor Hall gonna be the MVP that he was again this season for New Jersey with Nico Heesher? Or is Columbus gonna regress because there seems to be a lot of a lot of turmoil there. We don't know what's going to happen with our Timmy Panarin. Bobrovsky, even Bobrovsky looks unhappy there. They just lost Seth Jones for a few weeks. So if one of those, even if one of those teams falls off and you still got Boston and Florida being good teams like they're supposed to be, there is definitely an opportunity for the Sabres to sneak into one of those wild card spots. Like I said, man, striking distance. Yeah, I, I, New Jersey had such a good start to the season and they just seemed to fall off as the year went on uh and columbus i mean geez all, all that stuff that you just listed i mean how can you not be nervous if, if you're a blue jackets fan right and they could definitely get into a wild card spot for sure for sure all right so out west i mean i don't want to take too much time on it i mean 
we're both here on the Eastern Conference here, but the West still seems pretty stacked. San Jose, what the heck? And then Vegas with the best expansion team of all time. And, of course, you've got Edmonton sitting there in the basement looking in the shadows going, we still have this Connor McDavid guy. Don't forget about us. It seems like everyone but the Coyotes and the Canucks are pretty much either in a striking distance of a playoff spot or legit contenders, and San Jose is just looking far too dangerous. You know, San Jose is looking ridiculous because, um, you know, you talk about some teams, they have a strong offense and they have, they have a strong defense or whatever. And, and one of my criticisms of a team like the St. Louis Blues, for example, was for a long time they had a really good offense, but they didn't have any undeniable guys, guys who were just total game breakers. They were just kind of a solid team. Now, Tarasenko sort of emerges, but they need, I think, a couple more game breakers, but then they potentially get one in Ryan O'Reilly. So you might argue as a Blues fan that getting O'Reilly wasn't exactly addressing your biggest need, but it makes a strength of yours already undeniable. That's what the San Jose Sharks did by getting Eric Carlson. How do you have Brent Burns (laughs) and then decide... We need Eric Carlson as well. <laughs> we have one of the top three right-handed shots in the league. And you know what? I think we need another one. Like That is absolutely absurd. So the, the strength that they have is they have something that no team in the league can beat. And, and that, that makes them a contender night in and night out. Night in, night out. Their forwards can have an off night. Their left side can have an off night. Their goalies can have an off night. But 82 games in a row this season, they're going to have a better right-handed side of the ice uh, than every other team. So they look monstrous. Yeah, San Jose is just looking scary, and now I'm expecting that that Sabres pick is just going to end up in 29-30-31 there. It almost seems like for the Sharks, it's Stanley Cup or bust based on how they've got that roster built. I mean, Pavelski's contract runs out after this year. Thornton's here for one last swan song run. And you're looking at a core that is pretty much getting to its last gasp here, the final window. So San Jose not only should be a favorite for it, they, they need to be. They need to probably make up and cash in on this promise that they have because it's probably the best chance that they're going to have. Other than the Sharks, though, who do you think uh, out west is uh, is a solid cup contender? Well, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with the Pacific there. Like, it's it's pretty even, and, and everyone just, just looks lethal. I think Nashville is another team that, I mean, they're sort of a perennial contender. They've got that ridiculous defense. I look at their offense. I look at their forwards and I go, okay, that's a nice little group of guys, but is there anyone I'm truly afraid of? You know, uh, Philip Forsberg, you can maybe argue is that guy. Up the middle? I mean, Ellis Curtis Benino is solid, but you get into a playoff series, you're able to hard match guys. I, I, I think maybe they crumble. The Jets no. are just so, so dirty and so, so absurd. And people are talking about them wrong. Um, you know, people talk about them like this offseason they lost Paul Stastny. No, they didn't. They didn't get Paul Stastny until the trade deadline. So 
theoretically, this year, they could be a top-five team in the league again. And if they really wanted to, just for giggles, they could go out and get another playoff rental. So they're still there. Do not sleep on that team. The team I'm most interested to see is Vegas. Because I would argue that on paper, they look so much better this year. But last year, (laughs) on paper, they looked like trash heading into the season. And somehow they were like the best team in the league and made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. So I'm excited to see them because I can't explain them. All right. It's, it's yeah. funny how the NHL works that way. Just you can yeah. you can have a team that's just so bad and or they look so bad and yet one of the best in the league. Like just how that happens is it's mind boggling. Yeah, I, I just I wish I could explain it. And now a guy that they like, even the guys that they've given up are, are going on and, and doing big things. You know, the Leafs lose Brendan Leipzig to them. And then he, you know, doesn't really find his stride there. Gets traded to Vancouver. There's a chance that guy might be a first-line player this year. So even their mistakes look impressive. All right. So, Steve, I I said we were going to give it to Ottawa. We have to address what is going on with what kind of a a lull fest, the laughing stock of the league all of a sudden in the Senators. Two years ago, they were – one game away from the cup final. One goal away. One goal away from the cup final. And now they look like this tire fire that might contend for the tank savers for points this season. Oh, my goodness. Like, and, and But the tank savers, at very least, tried to be that bad, right? Yep. Whereas these guys, these guys are fully here by accident. You know, you could argue Eric Carlson was them finally admitting, okay, we are what we are fine prior to that they didn't mean to be as bad as they were they thought they were good and that should concern their fans on top of everything else i think i think you know again everything sort of comes back to the leafs right but um when things really changed it's when brendan shanahan came on board and everything sort of trickled down from there he wasn't great right away everyone he seemed to bring in got better um, and everyone seems to really like being there, and everyone's having a good time, and they're friends. Do the Ottawa Senators seem like they're having a good time? Hell <laughs> no. Hell no. no. No one's having a good time. Mark Borowicki looked like a captive oh in, in that video. Or Borbieski, sorry, I keep screwing up his name. Uh, those, those poor guys. And free advice that I've given many times, and I guess he hasn't heard it yet, Mr. Melnick, shut up. Shut up. If you hear from your owner, unless it's at the Stanley Cup parade, it's a bad thing. It's it's never a good thing, and this guy cannot stay out of the limelight. And poor Pierre Dorian is going on this huge press tour, talking to everyone who will listen, because he's got to sell seats because no one's buying tickets to the Ottawa Senators this year. And it's a shame because really what he should be doing is shutting up. <laughs> yeah, it, it is really like, – the fact that you bring it up that they did it on accident is – it just makes it all the more baffling. I mean, you see that really, really ridiculous and uh, borderline nonsense stuff with Mike Carl. I, I mean, Mike Hoffman with Eric Carlson with the – how his girlfriend, you know, on social media decided to allegedly attack 
the wife of Eric Carlson and the stillborn child and everything like that. And he's just like, good Lord, could this get any worse? And then, well, Hoffman gets dealt, flipped by the Sharks. And then they go back to that same well with the Sharks for Eric Carlson. And comparing it to, let's say, the Ryan O'Reilly trade, they got pennies on the dollar for one of the best defensemen in the league. Well, and and let's not forget, someone on Twitter I saw say, say this, Randy Lee, their assistant general manager, either resigning or getting fired, I don't remember which it was, like that barely gets any play. And that, and that's a huge scandal. And that happened here. An enormous scandal and, and, gets, and gets, you know, nonstop attention on, on a ton of other teams. With the Senators, it's almost like a, oh, yeah, the sort of thing you forget about. That was me. But I, I feel – I just I, – I feel terrible for the fans. Um, I don't feel good for the players. And I don't feel good that I feel that way. Because I'm a Leafs fan and I'm supposed to hate them. And that's how bad they are. I feel pity. It's never good when you feel pity for an enemy. I mean – they kicked us out of the playoffs twice in what was the best recent run for the Sabres, and I'm feeling bad for them. I mean, yeah, yeah. the Eastern Conference Finals trip, uh, you know, well. Ottawa was the one that put them down the second time that they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I'm just like, I actually feel bad for this team right now, and I'm supposed to really not like them because of what they did to us. Uh, but there it is. It's so bad. It's such a trash, dumpster fire situation that it just – you can't not feel for the fans because, really – while we did it on purpose, it caused infighting with the fan base. This is just all misery for all parties involved. Yeah, I, I really don't know what you can do. Like, And even, it's funny, talking to the Islanders today, you really got the impression that, you know, okay, yeah, looking at the on paper, they don't have nearly as many or nearly as much skill uh, as other teams, but they got this little twinkle in their eye. Like they, they got this, they got this little. All right, we'll show you. And I think the Islanders are going to give a lot of teams problems this year. They're going to get up to all kinds of shenanigans. They're going to be hitting everything that moves. They're they're going to be fighting guys. They're, they're going to be a feisty team. With Ottawa, like, does it? I don't even feel like there's an us against the world thing. I feel like it's get me the hell out of here. And has anyone? <laughs> has anyone in the NHL? at least in terms of how their career has gone, had a worse 18 months or so than Matt Duchesne. I want to be traded to a playoff contender. Welp. Welp. No, like, not just tr- not just he was mistaken. He played on the 47-point Colorado Avalanche. He was traded by his childhood team. He grew up a Colorado Avalanche fan. The GM is the captain of his childhood team, and they trade him to this, and his name is synonymous with the beginning of the downfall of the Ottawa Senators, and his name, it's, it, that trade, do you realize it could get worse? Because it could be Jack Hughes <laughs> that oh, the yeah, Senators yeah. gave up, and, and like even if they don't give up the first overall pick, it could be another star that you gave up and poor guy he's going out on the ice and last year he was arguably the Sens' best player um maybe outside of mark stone and it's just non-stop failure just synonymous with failure and i, I gosh you, you talk about a guy i should feel bad for man 
and you mentioned that this could get worse, and one of the ways it does is Duchesne and Stone get out of there for nothing. And that just that could just make this all sorts of craptastic. I guess that's the word I'm coming up with there. But uh, enough on the doom and gloom, though, of Ottawa. I think uh, I think we've covered enough on on their bases, and uh, we don't need to kick them while they're down anymore. Yeah, there'll be there'll be plenty more time to do that during the season. I don't know. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I liked this guy. I'm <laughs> But, uh, but Steve, one of the other things that we, we know about you, though, right now is uh, you started off you know, making fan reaction videos and everything of the sort, and now you end up with Sportsnet, with a major market in Canada, and you're coming out now with a book as well uh, about that sort of a story, that climb from you know, just making a video, being pissed at your team every week and every night, to now being an internet sensation, a a voice in the social media and in the NHL community and on Twitter especially as well, and, you know, a podcast series, everything like that, and now the book on that. Can you tell us about it? Yes, uh, the book is called This Team is Ruining My Life, <laughs> But I Love Them, How I Became a Professional Hockey Fan. So, yeah, it's basically I started a YouTube channel in 2007, and uh, from there it led to jobs at Leafs TV that I got laid off from, and then at CBC, which I got laid off from, and the NHL Network, which I got laid off from, and Sportsnet, which luckily I'm still there. <laughs> and so yeah. sort of the book, the, the book is about uh, a lot of mishaps I've had along the way, and there's a lot of funny stories. There's a bunch of stuff, you know, between my videos and podcasts, it, it was, I, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, people buying this book were were not just getting stories that I've told before. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff I've never told before. There's some stories that I have, but I go into far greater detail and maybe say some things that was too sh- shy to before. And it's basically a how to or how not to guide of sort of uh, succeeding in sports media uh, in like today's sort of social media climate. I, I think it'll be good, and it's available on pre-order now uh, for paperback. It comes out uh, March 19th, and I want to work on an audiobook. But it's still all in development, and obviously it's a few months away. Well, hey, I mean, congratulations to you for, for that as well, though. I mean, it's just it's the latest step of what has seemed like a wacky journey for you. It's been a lot of fun, man. It's been a lot of fun. And last thing I got on you here is uh, – you know, you're you're trying to learn how to skate. You're, uh, from what I caught, it was uh, you're trying to play in a charity game. Yes, yeah, I'm going to um, get me playing in the Eric Lindros uh, Celebrity Hockey Classic. That's in support of Easter Seals Ontario. Easter Seals uh, is a charity that uh, takes care of kids uh, with uh, physical disabilities, and it's a charity that um, helped my family a lot when I was younger. My sister was born. Uh, with uh, autism and brain damage and cerebral palsy, and um, you know, it was it was just a fun opportunity uh, going to Easter Seals camp when I was young. Uh, fun opportunity to have fun outside the house, you know, with, with the family, all four of us together, because that was pretty difficult. So I, I never really learned how to skate, and uh, last year I played in the tournament and was an absolute pylon. But I just wanted to raise money for the cause. 
So this year I told my friends, I want to, I want to train to be good enough to be bad. <laughs> I want to at least be able to play and be bad. And, uh, you know, I think I've accomplished that. I can do a crossover or two. I know how to stop now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's November 9th. Sounds like me, Frank. It really does. <laughs> Sounds I, like me too. I mean, I mean, I'm a goalie though, so yeah. I don't have to be that good of a skater. I just got to be able to get in stay the way. on my feet. Yeah, just got to get in the way and get in the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, I will say this, though. Uh, as you train on these things, do be careful because uh, Frank saw me uh, almost lose my knee bent like a pretzel when we were trying to get ready for a charity game as well last year, uh, over the summer, actually. Yeah. So do be careful with that. I'll give it a shot. If you go look at my most recent post on Instagram, it's just me falling on my face. <laughs> Steve, thanks for taking the time with us today. I really appreciated this conversation, and again, uh, as a as a as a fan of what you've done all throughout the years, I mean, it, it's it's awesome to be able to talk to you here. Oh, thanks, man. It was great great to be on your show, guys. And hey, just let the masses know where they can find you. Yes, yes, fans and listeners. He is a Leafs fan, but he also gives you critical intel on the team that we're supposed to hate. So give the man some love. Where at? Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I'll look up uh, Steve Dangle. That should be nice and easy. Uh, I don't think there's any imposters. Um, follow me on Instagram, Steve Dangle, all one word, and on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle. And once again, that book that you can pre-order if you're interested is This Team is Ruining My Life. Steve, thanks for taking the time, and I'm hoping that everyone got as much – hope everyone that's listening to this gets as much of an enjoyment out of this that we did talking to you today. The man screams sounds like Charlie Day, but he's a, he's a great guy, and it was a fun interview. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. That's Steve Dangle, Sportsnet, In YouTube, Toronto. YouTube sensation, sensation, soon and to be, soon officially be author, soon to be author, and definitely a knowledgeable guy, and a smart insider man. I would say myself. <laughs> I did not use that joke with him on the line. Dang it! Ah, oh, you were dumb. Regrets. 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 Oh well, I'm not going to worry about that. He'll hear it. He'll like it. So. There it is. I mean, we got the scope there of the NHL. And looking at the Sabres, though, Frank, I think it's time that we drop our uh, drop our lines with the last preseason game coming here. Yeah, let's drop the uh, let's drop the forwards and defense here because we know the goalies. It's Carter Hutton, Linus Allmark. So my top line would be this: it'd be along the lines of a Jeff Skinner, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, and I didn't hang up a phone. <laughs> that that that's going live. Whatever, okay. I'm keeping that there. Okay. Nice job, Derek. Good job. So top line: Eichel, Reinhardt, Skinner. I also have that as my top line. Second line: I'm going with Patrick Berglund, centering a line of two young aces in the hole here that were taken in the same draft class with Tage Thompson and Alex Nylander. Now, here my question is: You do you have Connor Sherry in the lineup? Yes. I don't. I, I'm still going off that he's injured. I think that they're going to bring him back a little slower, and he's going to go on my third line with Casey Middlestat and Kyle Oposo. Because I also have Nylander, Berglund, Thompson as my second line, but that's only because Sherry is hurt. I think Sherry would, when he is healthy, he will be in the top six with Berglund and Thompson to help out that line. And I have Middlestat, Oposo with Nylander when Sherry's in the lineup. When he's not there, Nylander bumps up to the Berglund line, and I have Evan Rodriguez on, with Middlestat and Oposo. Yeah. 
I unfortunately, Rodriguez gets the uh, low end of the totem pole. He's on the fourth line with Vladimir Sabotka and Jason Pominville. See, and when, yeah, and when I would also have that, but for right now, I have Scott Wilson, Sabotka centering with Jason Pominville. And then we also, we would have. Johan Larson and Zemgus Gergensen as our extras. My extras are Scott Wilson and Zemgus Gergensen. I think Larson gets waived. But this is also based on Sherry being injured for me. Even, I, I can even agree with, with Sherry you. being injured. I think Larson gets waived. Well, I think I think as long as Sherry is out of the lineup, they're gonna have to if if he's not playing opening night, they're gonna have to they're still gonna have to have two forwards. And they should at least have two forwards as scratches. I think that's Larson and Gergensen's. When Sherry comes back, I agree. I think Larson gets waived. I think he gets. They might even wave him. They might even wave him before the season starts because if he clears, they can send him up and down without having to go through waivers again. I think he gets waived because C.J. Smith would be the next forward I'd call up anyway, into the lineup, not Larson. Yeah, yeah. Because you'd also still have another center. You could have Rodriguez put there if there's an injury. You could put Gergensen's in there if there's an injury. Honestly, I'd rather have C.J. Smith than Johan Larson, and I hope the coaches think the same there. So, right, but then, right, right, like you can still, I, I like, they might, they're probably, they might put Larson on waivers before the season starts, and if he clears, they could send him to Rochester or, or send him, bring him from Rochester to Buffalo without having to go through waivers again. But I, like I said, I think as long as Sherry is out of the lineup. Larson's going to remain a saber. Yeah, that's true. All right, we got to get we got to get going here so that we can get some bills in here because Bills Packers as well. Well, we never also talked about the defense. Yeah, and we're going to do the defense right now. I've got, I've got what it looks like right now for the most part. It's Risto, Scandella, McCabe, Darlene, and then Bogosian, Bullyu, and Nelson, pretty much rotating as a five, six, seven. So one night both Nelson and Bullyu will be in, and Bogosian sits. One night Bullyu's going to sit. One night Nelson's going to sit. Kind of a rotation thing going on there, based on whoever's not playing well. Okay, I think Lawrence Pilute deserves a chance at the starting at, at opening night, but I don't think that Bullyu gets waived. Not wait, he looks rejuvenated. He looks like he's Bullyu not. Looks- Bullyu does look good. He doesn't look like the tire fire that he was last year, which yeah. is promising. Yeah, it's preseason and all, but there's still marquee guys that play in the preseason in each game. But so, he still only looks more as a six. Yeah. As a six seven. Whereas it's more so, valuable to have Lawrence Pilute on top line minutes with Brendan Gooley in the Roch in the AHL. Yes. So So I would I would expect that Casey Nelson for right now is my seven. And I, I agree. I got Bully Bogosian as my five as my third pairing, you know, Darlene McCabe. Ristolainen and Scandella, and if if Bogosian, if something is up with Bogosian or Bolu, let's say becomes a tire fire again, you know Brendan Gooley and Lawrence Pilot are the first two guys you call up. Absolutely, and you probably see Gooley Nelson as a pairing with Pilot rotating in at some point. Yeah. So, dude, we're here. We made it. One week away. Yeah, we're here. Let's do this thing. All right, but before that happens, the Bills and the Packers. That happens here, 1 o'clock Sunday. And it's funny what a week does for you. Because 
before that Minnesota game, nobody expected anything. Hell, people thought a lot of people here thought the Bills were going to be covered by the Vikings with that seven, uh, that sixteen point five point spread. People thought, like everyone thought, that they were going to cover that. Mm-hmm. How many they people did. were pissed off in Vegas or their survival pools when they picked the Bills to lose by that? And next thing you know, the Bills go ahead and they cover that spread with a 27-6 shutdown. They beat them by 21 without LaShawn McCoy, as yeah. John Clayton eloquently put it. Yeah, they did. They beat them by 21 without LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. Now, you saw Thursday night, last night's game, the Rams were able to do anything at the Vikings defense at will as well. Packers did it. The only team Packers that put up twenty nine yeah. against them. So, is Minnesota's defense uh, on a little bit of a decline? I don't know. I'm not worrying about that. You want to know why? The Packers defense isn't necessarily what I'd call good either. They just lost Mo Wilkerson for the rest of the season. Their, their corners second, are young. The, their corners are young, un, unproven. The big, the, the only guy that's proven on that secondary is Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and he's a really good safety. So. You got to watch out for him. Same with Harrison Smith last same week. With Harrison, yeah, same with Harrison Smith so, last week. And you, they still got Clay Matthews, who seems to be getting flagged every for every quarterback hit he makes. I want something out of this game now. Remember how I gave this a hall pass last week for the Vikings? Mm-hmm. And I said I'd come back to this one? Mm-hmm. Well, it me. I'm back for this one in – what was a strange turn of events that saw Josh Allen dominate a first half. Yep. Didn't even need to do anything in the second half. They didn't let him because they didn't need to. The defense is going to let up points. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He's a bad man. Kirk Cousins may have gotten guaranteed money, but he didn't get Aaron Rodgers guaranteed money. Aaron Rodgers is worth every single guaranteed penny because of the fact that he is Aaron Rodgers. He's a bad man. Yep. He's on one leg. Who cares? I'm crediting him 21 points at least. Bill's got to keep up. And that's my expectation for this game. Okay. Defense, yo, if you let up less than 21, I'm cool. Let's do it. Awesome. This game is about Josh Allen and what he can do next. Yeah. Because, how, because let's be real about something real quick. The Bills run game is but Even with McCoy in the lineup, it's not good. Because the run blocking is not there. It's been awful mm-hmm. at best. You can't run the dang ball. You can't. It's just not happening. It's not happening with the Bills. They're not running the football. So what does this mean? It means Josh Allen's going to have to do things more. More is going to be on his plate here because he's probably going to be behind. And, yes, we saw what happened with that with San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Quarter in the jar with the Los Angeles Chargers. They really should just go back to San Diego. We saw Josh Allen create a lead and take advantage of things like those timely turnovers. What you need now is can he keep up with one of the best quarterbacks in the league? One of the best quarterbacks of all time. I'm just worried about right now. And Aaron Rodgers is probably the best right now. He's still a bad man. He's probably the best right now. Yeah. Even currently injured. Even on one leg. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I think the hope is that this is a high-scoring game. This is not a hope for me. This is an expectation. Okay. Josh Allen showed me something that I was not ready for yet. Yeah. That he could be good. Yeah. He could be real good. Now it's about how they can, how he can respond after that high of a win. We talked to Jeff Lloyd Monday. Yes. 
and we had mentioned how great Baker Mayfield looked and how great Josh Allen looked. Mm -hmm. And now Josh Rosen is making his first start. Mayfield's making his first start. Sam Darnold's been up and down. Allen has been up and down, but he the last thing we saw was greatness. Are Bills fans ready for this? Hell no. Of course not. We are not ready for this. We're not prepared to be level-headed. We were expecting bad. Regardless we of what this. happened, regardless of what happened last week, my expectation was they need to step up and score on this defense because it can be exploited. Now, it's doubled. I want it to happen, and it should happen. Because we saw what what the team was capable of against what's supposed to be a great defense on paper. Now you have the expectation that they need to do something about this. If they want to win, if they if the Bills can get out of this at two and two, I'm pretty sure that if I said that at the beginning of the season, people would have chalked it up as, oh, so you beat Baltimore and LA. Okay, not bad. But if it turns out it's the Vikings and the Packers and you banish each of them to 1-2-1? One, and one? Well, now you're talking about something different. Now there's hope. And then there's three games in the AFC South. You could be looking at a winning record through seven weeks now, before the Patriots game, where all of our hopes and dreams come crashing down painfully. <laughs> you, you make up a good point, it, it, and you're right. They really could. And... They should. I want, yeah, they should. But we, but at the same time, we have to. We still have to remember, Josh Allen is still a rookie. He, you have to expect that he's gonna make some mistakes. He's going to make some mistakes, and that's going to happen. And but it's a matter of can he counteract those mistakes with a lot of good things. I guess the reason I'm thinking this so strictly right now is. Everything that everyone said that he sucks at, he did great. Yeah. He took what the defense gave him. Mm-hmm. He didn't try to force things. There was one ball that could have been picked deep, but that's it. Yeah. But he didn't force things. He didn't try to be the hero. He methodically picked them apart. Everything that people said he was bad at, he did the opposite. He was great. And that's where I think my expectation sets in. I saw you do what everyone said you couldn't. Now mix that with what you can because you're going to need to because it's the Packers. You're dealing with the Packers' offense. Mm -hmm. That means to me they really have a shot at winning this game. I'm not not touching that game on the betting line. If I were to be asked by someone, I'd be avoid this game. Just remember, too, in pickums, we both did pick the Packers. No. Oh, no, you did pick the Bills. I went Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, you, you went the Bills, yeah. That's right. While screaming obnoxiously. Yeah. But at, but because I saw what, see, I, saw my, against, see, what you, I saw against the Vikings, so though. So do you expect the Bills to win? I don't expect them to win. I expect them to keep it close. Okay. And with the Bills, if you keep it close, they're a plucky little team that can create something to happen and go, wait, the Bills just won? Yeah. You look at it all last year. It could be yeah. It could be like what Steve was just saying about the Islanders. They're just just this plucky plucky team that can cause problems. And the Bills can cause problems. Yeah. The Bills pass rush is starting to cause problems. Where the hell was that for the first six quarters of the season? Yeah. Shaq Lawson's back in practicing. I mentioned something about on Monday about 
You could put him on the interior in passing situations. Mm-hmm. Push the pocket. Make Rodgers have to do something. He's not mobile anymore right now. Mm-hmm. He's not as mobile, I should say. Escapability is fine, but he's not taking off for a 15-yard gain anymore. Yeah. He can get the four or seven-yard gain. He can get, you know, he could pick up the small first down on a third and short. It makes Sunday all the, almost all the more interesting. But I think the Bills are close in this. Well, I expect the Bills to be close in this, and that's why I think they could pull it off. Funny what a week does for you. It really is. And again, I saw Josh Allen do things that people said he couldn't or he's yeah. bad at. Mm-hmm. What did I get? I got the complete opposite. Combine that, keep that going with you need to do your good thing. Yeah. Because you're going to need it. Because Green Bay is still explosive. I'm not going to blame the defense if they give up 21-plus. I expect it to happen. Mm -hmm. But I also expect that the offense can do their share. That is where I think things will go. And that is why I think the Bills can win. I like what I saw from Josh Allen. I really like what I saw from Josh Allen. I didn't hate what I saw from him in his first start against the Chargers. Against, quote-unquote, San Diego. (laughs) I just think that the Bills really have a chance to befuddle everyone again. That one last year was Atlanta. This year it's Minnesota. Can they do it again? And I think that there's a chance that they can. That's why I picked the Bills. Because if you keep it close against the Bills, for some reason, they can do things about it. How many close games did they squeak out last year, regardless of opponent? If you get up early on the Bills over the last two years, yeah, you could see why they don't do well with it. Baltimore, the Chargers twice, the Saints, the Jets debacle on Thursday night. If you get out big, and then both games against New England, if you get out big on the Bills... You've got this. But if they're in striking distance, Steve Dangle, your words remain, the Bills can do something about it, and they generally do, regardless of opponent. If the Bills keep it close, they're dangerous. Also, it'd be pretty nice to see a close game from them for once this year, (laughs) instead of three blowouts. Got anything else here, Frank? UB is 4-0, taking on Army. Yeah. Easily their their toughest game of the season. Because Army took Oklahoma to overtime. Yeah, they did. Is Army the one that runs a bunch of, like, triple option and bull stuff like that? I think they do. They throw, like, three passes a game. Is that – I don't remember – I think they're the triple option team. I'm gonna I'm gonna check their stats this year. Their Army's two and two right now. Army's two and two, with one of their losses coming against Oklahoma in a dramatic fashion. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check the stats for that game. See what. Uh, yes, they are the annoying they're, team. Their their quarterback went three of eight. All right, ready. I will respect my troops and say yes that anyone at Army is commendable and everything like that. But I hate their offense and their play calling. Their coach is a jerk. I'm sorry, it is not 1960 anymore, man. Throw the football. So I hope UB's defense is ready to try to defend 50 runs in this game. 
102 let against Oklahoma. One of their guys had 102 yards. Another one had 80. Another one had 71. They're so that offense is so annoying. I remember when that coach was at Georgia Tech, and somehow Calvin Johnson got drafted in the top five because he's just that ungodly. But he caught like 40 passes in an entire season, <laughs> and that's high for that offense. I hate that offense. We don't live in the oldie days. There are no helmets that look like they came off of the butt of a deer. Modernize with the world, for the love of God. Do not give me this double-wing bull crap. Play football the way that it's being played, not how it used to be played. To be fair, the first game of the year, their quarterback threw the ball 21 times. Do that again, then! You want <laughs> but you mess- only completed 10 of them. Because they don't recruit a quarterback, because they don't need one, because they just run it all the damn time. Yeah, they recruit running quarterbacks. They just recruit people that can run the I'm football. I'm pretty sure their quarterback they is don't their recruit leading quarterbacks. rusher. They, don't re- they probably don't recruit quarterbacks. They running. recruit running backs who play quarterback. No, they recruit running backs, and then they go into training camp and go, which one you could throw a ball half, halfway decent? That's how they get their quarterback. <laughs> they don't recruit any quarterbacks. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> but the UB Bulls take them on. And you're going to be excited when you see UB's offense. You're going to be bored as hell when you watch Armies. Stay disciplined. Stay in your run lanes. Keep contained. There you go. I solved it. It's at UB Stadium. It's at tomorrow. UB Stadium. It's at home at noon. Yes. Get it. Come on, Bulls. 5-0. and Let's see it. Keep shattering your FBS records. Let's do it. Make it happen. Make it happen. Horns up. Let's do this thing. All right. I think we got it here, man. This was fun. This was a this was a great podcast. Yeah. I thought it was this was awesome. Nice job on that. Thank you to Steve Dangle. On YouTube. Also has his podcast. Steve Dangle. S- Steve Dangle Podcast. You can look that up on just look that up on YouTube as well. And then and it's also podcast is also on Sportsnet. It's also on SoundCloud. So just gotta look it look it up through there. As you said, follow him on follow him on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle. He's got the book coming out in March. He's got the puppers. He's got the puppers. So thank you, Steve, for coming on with us. I had to contain myself because I was like, "Yo, we actually got Steve Dangle." I was geeked out. I really yeah. was. So yeah. thank I I'm really appreciative that he took the time to. Come He's going into today. his 11th year of doing LFR. That's incredible. Yeah. And again, he may be a Leafs fan, but the guy is very knowledgeable. He's a great guy, great engagement, and as you just heard, great listen. So thank you, Steve, for coming on with us. We really appreciated it. Hey, man, let's see if the Bills can get to 2-2. Two and two. Let's see if the UB Bulls can get to 5-0. and oh. and Let's see the Buffalo Sabres. Please, for the love of God, wave Matt Tennyson. That was a little Soon. mean. That was a little mean. I don't care anymore. But it's true. Why is he on the roster still? Is he reasons? Is he being considered for a job on opening night? I hope not. Or is he just a body right now? Probably just a body. That is true because Ristolainen and Lagosian are Lugosian and up. Scandella all did not practice on yeah. Thursday. So that should mean that they needed an extra body. That's fine. Numbers game. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Sabres start next week.
Next Thursday. We'll do more on that. Big uh, big season preview on Monday. We'll do our Sabres season preview on Monday. Probably even an NHL. NHL. Like, more NHL. A more we NHL gotta do, preview. We got to do predictions. We do have to do predictions. We do more NHL previewing on Monday. We react to the Bills Packers. We react to UB. What's it going to look like? How are we going to be emotions-wise? Well, why don't you find out on Monday? Thanks always for listening. I'm Derek Kramer. I'm Frank Arcari. This has been the Leftovers Podcast on WGR550.com and on the Radio.com app. And you know, as they always say, go Bills. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.